Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name, my name is... Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Perfect. Are you uh, agaveing? I am. Mm. I am drinking a Memphis beer, Tiny Bomb. Tiny Bomb. Tiny Bomb. It's a little Pilsner. Wise Acre Brewing Company in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, since we can't get Preach Street uh, Distillery as a sponsor, maybe we can get Wise Acre Brewing Company in Memphis, okay. Tennessee. Yeah. Anybody in the South that knows Wiseacre Brewing Company, tell them to get in contact with Blood Origins. Uh, I yeah, really yeah. like their tiny bomb. Info at bloodorigins.com. Anyone can send an email to that and we'll read it. Absolutely. No text messages this week. What happened to Dave? Is he uh, on vacation? Dave, what's up? Must have taken a week off. Mm. Might be turkey hunting. Oh, yes. Turkey season is upon us. Um, if you want to tell us about your turkey hunting adventures or turkey hunting proof stories of uh, how you have um, how you're seeing more turkeys on your property because you're potentially managing the predators on your property, bobcats, coyotes, uh, your fur bearers, possums, raccoons, let us know. Text us at 620-860-4804. You doing any trapping on your 40 acres? Um, I, I did. I got two foxes in the entire trapping season. Oh, I got a skunk too. Um, how did you, how did you deal with the skunk? Um, the Very 10 carefully. year old, the 10 year old and the 22. The ten. Wait, so it's Colorado. It's all live traps. Um, oh, you can't use footholds, right? Yeah. Just live traps is the only thing you can do. Um, so yeah, I got, uh, two Fox pelts, one that I'm going to try myself. Um, I, I don't know what I'm doing just so everyone knows this is really try self. What do you mean? Try self. I'm going to try to tan it myself. Oh, interesting. Uh, the red Fox, I, I had the red Fox like hung up would have been the, like, was going to be the first Fox that I ever skinned. And every video, like everyone I talked to was like, the tail is very, very, very hard to skin. And then I, I had it hung up in the in the in my shed and just stared at it for a second, and then I took it down and took it to a taxidermist. Isn't that uh, like a raccoon tail? Like you have to get one of those calipers. You just you inch around the tail piece, and then um, I've got one of those. I'm, I'm calling it a caliper, but there's a special tool, right? That right. You can well, put there and you can rip that rick and rip it off. I don't have one, and everyone says now. There's okay, so this story has two sections. Well, everyone says foxtail is the hardest that there is. Like the skin is just super, super, super thin. Okay. So two days later, I caught a gray fox, and 
I'm like, all right, I got one fox at the taxidermist. I'm going to do this myself. And everything went really smooth, except for the tail, which I completely massacred and ripped in half. So there, I, have, I have some learning left to do on that part of it. I, I, again, I'm not a, I'm not a trapper. I went with some people when I was younger, like on their trap lines in Kansas, but I, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm learning from the beginning and, uh, it was fun. You know, one of those things is fun to go check the traps. Well, I'll tell you what. One of the first entries into quote-unquote hunting for me and my boys were setting foothold traps. And, you know, then because, you know, you use different types of bait and marshmallows and cat litter, not cat litter, cat, cat food, essentially. And, um, you know, people have different recipes like blueberry jam mixed with corn mixed with cat food and and so the boys could get into it and they could spread it out and they could take a cup and throw it around and it was great man we loved it i haven't done it in a couple of years with them i need to get back into it um i would, I would bet that southern mississippi has more than its share of home oh my gosh trapping bait recipes oh my gosh oh yeah, yeah every guy has the, his secret formula right been, been in the family for nine generations supposedly <laughs> half of half of them actually got it off of youtube yeah, there's no like buying any baits. You just go and buy the cheapest cat food you can buy, right. mix it with a little blueberry jam um, and a little bit of corn and the, the tiniest marshmallows you can find and put like a little trail cutting. If you, you know, they're going, there's a big trail, cut them off, point them in the direction right. of the foothold. It works, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's definitely a lot of, in the, the, it's not a cool thing, but the silver lining of the fur market being way down is everyone's sharing their secrets too, right? Like mm. there's absolutely no money in trapping anymore. I mean, there's, it's not a, there's, there's no one really making a profit at trapping. And it's never going to come back. Let's be honest. No, I don't think so either. I've, I've thought like, I think it would be cool to, uh, I think it would be cool to buck the system and make i mean it's the it's the ultimate renewable clothing right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know definitely as opposed to polyesters and and uh, artificial blends that people are using um fur and even you know wild game leather is the ultimate uh renewable clothing i think it would be cool to bring it back but but the the silver lining is you know when i was a kid no one would tell you anything um you know, it was a secret. You, you didn't talk about places. You didn't talk about techniques. You didn't talk about baits. You didn't talk about lures because people were actually, you know, way more than paying for the hobby of trapping with trapping. Um, but now, heck, shout out to Coon Creek Outdoors. That guy on YouTube is incredible. And he's a younger kid. Um, he took me from being scared to even really try it because I knew so little to at least going out and giving things a shot. Coon Creek Outdoors, huh? Yeah, the guy's incredible. He's got a couple hundred thousand followers and it's nothing but but he he take you all the way through. He took I have his uh it's like a five part series on doing your own tanning. Hmm. Um is that what you're gonna follow for your fox? I a hundred percent bought literally everything he told me to buy. You uh, are you going ultra traditional brains? Using brains no, to no, tan? No, I bought the I think it's uh uh, it's in an orange bottle. It's like the only commercial tanning solution that's available anywhere. Almost, it's uh, or not, or not commercial, but personal. It's I think it's called Deer Hunter's Trapping Solution or something. Okay. Um, so I got got a couple bottles of that. I'm gonna try and tan this. And I got I saved uh, just like chunks of hide off of deer this year as well. You know, like as scrap mm. as scrap to try and. Well, let me know how it goes, man. I got a bunch of coon skins in the freezer that uh, I've been holding on for quite some time. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a shot and see if I can. Uh, I don't have any, like, big ambitions or anything. I just want to know if I can tan a hide and it stay. Well, for our, uh, our avid followers, the three people that avidly follow us, Dave being one of them. Dave, thanks for being on vacation and not sending us a message again. Um, they're waiting for us to introduce the guest this week. And um, unfortunately, we don't have a guest. Yeah, unfortunately, just you and me. It was a conscious decision. We we made this decision. Um, I don't want anyone to think that uh, 
We need to reinstate. Hey, anyone want to come on the Blood Origins podcast? We haven't had one of those in a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, can reach out to us. Yeah, info at Blood Origins or text us at 620-860-4804. And you may be surprised that we say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We try to try to balance it out. We try to have all walks of life as guests and then uh, just kind of thought that it was time maybe we'd give one a whirl here, just you and I this week. That's right. That's right. Um, well, in the world of hunting, there has been a slowdown, obviously, because legislative seasons across the United States are slowing down and coming to a close. Uh, but there's been a couple of a uh, couple of wins, a couple of losses. There's two major items still pending. Uh, Georgia has just passed two very good pro hunting bills. The first one in Georgia was a um, a bill that pretty much said that there's going to be no net loss of hunting opportunity of hunting access in the state of Georgia. Massive, right? So yeah. can't take can't take public land away any longer. It's it's part of the state uh, statute. Is there a clause in there that if if it does get like you can take forty five hundred acres away, but you have to add forty five somewhere else? Is it that kind? Yeah, of thing? I haven't I haven't read it in, in too much detail, um, but it's probably a quid pro quo type scenario. Um, right. I would I would envision. Um, and then today they uh, just announced that their pro hunting and trapping bill just went through. So the Georgia turkey populations have been on the slow decline and uh, they passed a law to open fur bearing and trapping seasons year round for raccoons and possums in the state of Georgia. Excellent. Definitely animals that are thriving. So let's talk about, let me, let me throw something at you. That is something that uh, is almost something you can, you can categorize in all of these instances when it comes to predators, wolves, Bears, mountain lions, coons, opossums, coyotes, bobcats. When let's just use the Georgia as an example. Are we valuing turkeys at a higher value than we are raccoons and opossums by passing something like this? Mm -hmm. This is something that we probably have to think through and defend. From an anti-hunting perspective. So are we valuing one animal over another? Or two, are we bringing things back into balance from a management perspective? Or three, maybe I don't know what the third is. You want to, you want to, all right. I'll think about the third whilst you think about on options one and two. Oh no, three would be this. Three would be the, the classic Africa model, which is if it pays, it stays. Turkey hunting is big, big money. Turkey hunting is, you know, something that a lot of people engage in. And so that is more valued than your fur, your fur takers. And so you want to be able to almost not skew the population, but you want to have more turkeys on the landscape because it provides more opportunity, provides more revenue, more license sales, that kind of stuff. Well, I might have opened a can of worms, but why not? Aren't the aren't the people hopefully the people that are considering opening up possum and coon trapping year round in Georgia are looking solely at the possum and coon numbers based on how they fit into the entire you, you think negative someone, you think negative. someone literally said they're hurting the turkeys we need to kill absolutely them. absolutely. There's no way you can get a, a, a population estimate on raccoons or opossums. Un no, no, no. I, I, I'm not, it's not I'm possible. Not saying, I'm not saying that they set an actual number. I'm saying that – well, maybe this is semantics, but I'm say, I don't think it is. I don't think they're saying we got to kill the coons and possums for the sake of the turkeys. I think they're saying there's too many coons and possums for the turkeys to thrive. and. Is that like it's not how, just, make, how are you making that statement? There's no data to back up that statement. I'm not I'm, I'm I'm not making any statement. I'm guessing what they might be saying. They may be saying that, but you can't back that statement up with data. 
They don't, there's, so, there's nothing showing that, that, well, first of all, there is in some parts of the Southeast, I don't know Georgia numbers, but there is actually some Turkey declining happening for the first yes, time. Yes, absolutely. In no doubt. That's happening in Georgia. Turkey declines are occurring in Georgia. And there's absolutely no doubt that coons and possums eat turkey eggs. Nest predators, correct. Um, that's both. Those are both pieces of data. We can we can prove. That's I correct. I don't have it in my that's pocket, correct. but we can prove that. Um, and as long as that's a viable biological reason to keep the turkey's habitat in balance, um, I don't think it's any of the any of the above options. I don't, I don't think it's valuing turkeys over them. I think it's valuing turkeys enough to realize that predator control is a part of that. I think one of the things that may have factored into this law, and let's, uh, you know, I'll make a statement. I think the law is a good law because in Mississippi, our trapping season essentially ends before turkey season starts. If I'm, if I know my dates correct. So the most vulnerable time so you really have to hit your 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 predator control in a time frame before turkey season to show anecdotally because again I don't have data and again if someone's listening to this and has data on their property we would love to see it it's one of the things that we're interested in getting is people's data from their properties to show trapping versus a turkey response you don't you actually aren't having trapping success or trapping opportunities in a time when turkeys are nesting, when eggs are on the ground, and when poults are being are being uh, hatched. And so the Georgia bill is probably very similar to Mississippi in that it's extended that opportunity for you to trap around those times. And yes, you are correct. Nest predation is something that occurs in some places where you do have a higher population of coons and opossums, it's going to naturally, logically, have an impact on turkey numbers, uh, turkey nest uh, success. Um, so maybe that's the, you know, and, and even if it's open year-round, you know, people are probably going to stop trapping when it gets really, really hot, right? In the May time frame. And then maybe pick it up early uh, September, October when things are a little slow in the deer woods or they haven't even started in the deer woods, but you want to get going again and, and do something. All right, let me run this. I'm going to say, I'm going to derail the whole thing for a couple of minutes. Let me run this by this theory by you. It's not a theory. It, it, it is a theory. I like. But when people say. When people say. If we then this is a very predator hunting focused discussion. When people say let nature balance itself out, mm -hmm. and I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that for sure 14, 15,000 years ago, before you know, before native people were even here, which is a weird thing to say, but and and even before that, probably like. Like, I think more so probably like before the invention of the firearm, right? Like nature probably did balance itself out for the most part. Right. I mean, sometimes very drastically and ugly, but still balanced itself out. Certainly, certainly cyclical uh, at times, sort of a very uh, soft cycle at other times, very much a boom and bust type cycle. Classic example is lynx and snow hares up in the northern hemisphere uh type regions right, right where where humans have absolute almost completely zero percent effect on those things is it is it a logical statement to say that that this is the argument i make a lot of times on social media that we screwed that up we screwed that up and probably not, some there's of a gradient of screw up there's a gradient of screw up i would say I think we screwed it up in two ways. The, the biggest one being habitat. The biggest one being that there's now 330 million people. Probably, this is a complete guess, but I would guess that 400 years ago that there was less than a million. Maybe maybe a million to two. It doesn't matter. A fraction of 1% of the amount of people. But I also think that we screwed it up by wiping out alpha predators right 
like when there was wolves in any state in the union, there was way less coyotes around. Fair, right. fair statement. Fair which, statement. Which is is now a reason, and now there's so many more coyotes. That's the actual reasoning behind the science behind predator hunting, right? Or am, am I right? Am I saying that correctly? That that, w- that we probably have more coyotes in the 49 states that have coyotes than there ever were, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the nuance with coyote hunting is this. And you, I say coyote just like you do. Coyote. Coyote hunting is this. Is that there is science to prove that they have evolved a measure of a sort of adapt I call it adaptive persecution which is when they are getting hammered they'll tend to increase litter sizes so females will tend to have higher litter sizes eight nine ten litters assuming the resource on the landscape can handle it okay uh under conditions where they have saturated the landscape and they're at a sort of carrying capacity like we're talking about, female litter numbers will be in the two to five range. So there's science that proves that, okay? There's also science that shows at a regional level, and, and regional is, 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 you know, has some sort of scale to it that's really undefined in terms of what I'm saying here. That hunting really doesn't have an effect on hunt, on coyote populations. However, at a very local scale, at your farm scale, at your hundred acre scale, your thousand acre scale, you certainly can depress that predator population, just like we've been talking about with fur takers and raccoons and opossums, to increase the abundance of a more valued species, a species that you would prefer to have greater abundance on your property, i.e., quail, i.e turkey i.e deer okay and for oh, someone who says to include sheep and cattle yeah sheep and cattle too because again it's proven that coyotes do take lambs they do take uh fawns of deer it's not a lie it, it happens um to the extent of how how much they take is also uh, to be debated so i think the coyote when you compare it back to the wolf, like you were talking about, and you use a human in, as the wolf kind of scenario in this in this system, we as humans do not do a very good job of controlling coyotes because we're very patchy in our management. Think about that a little bit, right? As a human, if I own a thousand acres and I hammer coyotes, there's probably twelve thousand acres around me that aren't doing it, right? If, as opposed to a wolf, if you went back in time, like you said, wolves were probably, they were the alpha predator on the landscape in totality. And so it wasn't this patchiness of wolf preying on coyotes. It was a landscape scale, regional scale suppression of that predator itself. That's why coyote numbers were so low, because the wolves kept them there almost like a blanket across the landscape. Humans don't manage predators in a blanket sense. Humans manage predators in like pin drops on the landscape. That's why, again, the science shows at a regional level, you cannot, you do not have effects on predators when you do predator control through hunting. But your the area you do hunt at a you, local scale, you can. At the, yes, and we don't. And again, this is where the science falls down. Is that it? It's not sexy science to show a causation response um, relationship on a hundred acre scale or a thousand acre scale for someone's farm. I'm sure the science is out there. If someone's listening to this and they have the science, send it to us. Those are the kinds of things that we need more of. We need more data to show at a local level a certain level of predator management results in a certain response of a desired species. Again, whether that's quail or turkey or deer. I have a hundred, and I have like I have 
nothing but memories in my own. I mean, absolutely. I know people, I know people out here who work very hard to control lions and bears. And they now have incredible mule deer properties. Mm -hmm. I mean, that mm -hmm. is that not just, do we not know? And again, just like you said, what, whatever X thousand of acres that they're working hard to patrol it on, can, you know, control the, the, the predator population on, you know, if the people next to them aren't doing it, then the people next to them are probably actually suffering for deer because you're just, you're, you're moving them in essence is yeah. what you're doing. You're not regionally or in a broad scale affecting the population, um, you know, one trigger pull at a time, you're, you're, you're moving them more. Right. Yeah. If you've got if you've got a place in which and it happens all the time, it happens in Africa tremendously. As soon as animals, I don't know what it what it is about them, whether it's a, a sixth sense or something about the resource shows that it's it's a better place. Animals will migrate into areas in which they are not pressured and in which they are not predated on. And so that's why, again, you see some, not only a local response, but you're going to see some immigration coming from an immigration, essentially immigration, not immigration, immigration into those properties, like in Colorado. And again, again, a massive call out to people. If you've had a logbook, a lot of people keep logbooks, right? We, we trapped this much this year. We trapped this much this year. We saw this many turkeys this year. We saw this many coveys of quail this year. We saw these men, this many mule deer this year. We've seen our mule deer, um, you know, horn size go from this to this to this to the years. You know, send us that data. We want to. We want that data because it's good stuff to show examples of again that localized scale of of predator management. Okay. Yeah. No. I that that, that kind of part of it is very interesting to me on the. Well, really, I mean, a lot of it comes from me on Blood Origin social media having sometimes heated discussions with folks about predator hunting and and that, you know, a lot of them fall back on nature will balance itself out. And that just doesn't make. I also think that there was a time when the bison were a gigantic part of, you know, you look at the estimations of wolf numbers in the lower 48 200 years ago that'll never happen again because there's not there's not 30 to 60 million bison roaming around to sustain the, right. the you know those large carnivores right and that's why you can't let it could happen but it's going to rely it's you know you get to back to where you have 25 30,000 wolves in the rockies and you're going to, you know, there's not going to be cattle ranches left. They're going to consider those the bison, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. they're going to need them to survive. And that's that's where people need to look just, just a level deeper that there really is a need for, whether it's on a micro scale or a macro scale, management of these things. And the, re the, 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 the reason that we need to manage them 100% is we screwed it up. Right. It's not like nature quit figuring things out. It's we dropped 330, 340 million people on this place. Um, and then I think we really screwed up eliminating alpha predators the way that we did. You know, I mean, I, I think that threw things out of whack as well, um, which, you know, sounds contrary to some people are going to take that as contrary to we've got to manage wolves. Well, we do because we screwed it up. And it's messed up and there's there's people everywhere and there's houses everywhere and there's, you know, golf courses everywhere. And uh, we've got to manage it to keep the populations healthy. That's just a thought or theory that bounces around. You nailed it. Habitat, people, alpha predators are gone. And I will say one thing that you haven't mentioned is connectivity. So it's all good and well to have habitat, but if they're not connected um, you're going to have issues. For instance, this antelope transfer that we were just a part of with Arizona Game and Fish Department in the Kingman region in 18A, antelope numbers are going down specifically for two reasons. Number one, habitat, juniper encroachment. Oh, sorry, three reasons. Number one, juniper encroachment. Two, 
coyote predation on antelopes because of the juniper preda- uh, juniper encroachment. It's not open plains, right, that the antelope can see far, so coyotes can get up close and personal. And three, the habitat connectivity, because people are growing, the population is growing, houses are being built, and, and populations are being cut off from one another uh, in that region. But uh, we have transferred 33 ant- antelope into that property, into that area in our property, 18A. And I had a great uh, podcast with Aaron Butler, the terrestrial program manager of the Arizona Game and Fish Department. Unfortunately, but it's part of nature, uh, we've already lost four of those 33. They've died. Uh, they did have collars on them, uh, which is good because that's what you want to know, right? Everybody thinks it's hunky-dory stuff that you go and translocate a bunch of animals. Everything's going to be fine. It's all Disney. Everything's going to survive. And obviously, you want that to happen. But um, in this case, we had a little bit of post-relocation mortality, two of which was down to uh, predation. Do they know what? They think coyotes. Yeah, they've got an active, active program right now for antelope habitat restoration in this 18A region, including juniper removal, predator control, uh, water basin catchment um, enhancements, trickle tanks, doing a great job to try and bring antelope back there. But again, again, to the original question. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Is it, yeah. Do we value something over something else? And the answer is yes. Okay, let's be honest here. The answer is yes. In that we are valuing in this situation pronghorn antelope. We want more pronghorn. That's what we value. And so we put more emphasis in it. And we uh, take uh, measures and we put measures in place that will enhance the survivability and sustain the sustained population growth of that specific species. Same thing with so. turkeys in Georgia. I don't think so. Let's argue this out. I, I don't think you're valuing antelope. I mean, unless you're talking about compassionate conversate conservation, where you are worried about the individual. I, I don't. You're not devaluing coyotes. You're saying there's too many coyotes there. For this, for the balance, for the good of all, for the good of the whole ecosystem, they're not eliminating coyote. They're not poisoning off every coyote. They're, you're just keeping things in balance again, because humans screwed the balance up. We now should step in and fix the balance. I, I don't see that as a, as a. Now, I'm not trying to argue with you that there's not a bunch of antelope hunters in Arizona that value antelope over coyotes. I don't want to get behind the fact that that's AZG or Arizona Game and Fish's motivation on. I think they're trying to balance the ecosystem to a situation that was thrown out of whack by by humans, and they're they're trying to balance it. it doesn't mean they're devaluing the coyote. It, it it just means that the coyote is part of what's throwing the 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 whole the ecosystem as a whole which antelope are a part of, out of whack. <laughs> um, and, you know, they probably didn't. Back when there was when there was wolves in, in Arizona, they were kept in. Everything had a, everything had a happier balance. Why, why are the junipers encroaching? Like, what's making, is that a natural phenomenon or is that human beings messing with the land? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if it's climate change or... You know, it, it's probably due to climate change. It's probably due to more drought conditions. Um, maybe it's introductions of juniper by humans for fence roads. You know, I don't know. But to your point, I think it's semantics in that I don't think you're devaluing an animal. I think, though, there's more emphasis being put on a specific animal, like a pronghorn, like a turkey as opposed to a raccoon and a possum and a coyote. Yeah, but, but I agree with you that the, the emphasis there is no... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. There's, a, there's an underlying assumption, which is probably true, but it's difficult to back up with science. That is that the system is not in balance um, to a point where these pronghorn or turkeys should be at a sustainable level. Now, again, this is where it gets a little gray and it gets a little nuanced and it gets a little pushy. 
who is determining what is that sustainable population of turkeys versus pronghorn? Like, for instance, in Georgia right now, you would think, based on the action and the regulation, that they believe the turkey population should be higher. Who's to say that it's, it's, it's already too high and it's being naturally brought back down? Okay, that, that part of it right there, I'm, I don't agree with you. I don't, I don't know how to disagree with you. I, 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 I don't know on that statement right there. That part, I don't know. What I do Again, know it comes back is, to what I'm saying about the value of an animal. But the va- you want but more of it on the landscape. You want more of it on the landscape, so you're going to value it more. You're talking, in the two instances we've talked about, Georgia turkeys, Arizona antelope, you're, you're, you're making the statement that they're valuing the antelope and the turkey over others, but it's just those are the animals that are declining. They're, 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 they're making a move. That true, it, true. It's, they didn't pick them. They're not like, man, antelope are doing great, but it'd be great if we had another 10,000 to shoot. That's not what's happening. Those are the ones that are declining. And that's why the emphasis is being put on them. It's, you know, if, I mean, you could look at, at human beings, like why do we send aid to some countries and not send aid to Beverly Hills? That, that, that it's not, we're not devaluing Beverly Hills. There's just some people that need some help. And, and we're sending some of Beverly Hills money to other countries. It's not because we devalue them. It's because they're not going downhill and, and declining. I don't, I don't see that part of it. Now you bring up the argument of, I have no idea how many turkeys there should, I just air quoted, how many turkeys there should be in Georgia. And is someone trying to just get more turkeys to sell more hunting licenses? I don't know. That's some, that's some, call for a corruption investigation. No, it wouldn't no, it wouldn't be for it it would definitely not be tied to hunting licenses, but opportunity, right? That the constituents of the state of Georgia, the constituents of any state that says, I'm not seeing as many turkeys anymore. I want to hunt more turkeys. I'd like more turkeys on my tag is enough of an impetus to say, hey, Let's do something about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you if that's true. Um, you know, but I think your statement is correct. I think the fact that the 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 it's any wildlife as an example had documented a decline in its population numbers from some sort of level. Turkeys, whitetail, antelope. You would, as a constituent, as well as the game biologist, would be saying, hmm, what's going on? Why We need to figure out a way to get them back to where they were. And these are just management actions that are being put in place in order to return that population that population segment to that number yeah yeah i i I think that's exactly what's happening and i i think it's a good thing all right so let me throw a bomb into this conversation okay you've seen the idaho wolf numbers right i have all right so 2020s idaho wolf counter may be off on the years here but i believe 2020 wolf count was like 1526 okay 2021 they killed google this for me 2021 they killed 540 wolves plus or minus and the end of 2021 wolf population was 1549 plus or minus, i.e. the population went up even though they took the most wolves they'd ever taken in a hunting season in Idaho. Right. What does that say to you? Okay, you got to answer a question as a whatever title you got from all the years you spent in school. 
And so answer me this question, genuine question that I do not know the answer to. So that I, I just looked it up and I'm seeing a 434 number for 2021. Um, okay. 230 hunted 204 traps. Um, in your best estimate here, and here's the rules. You got to guess a number. Okay. You got to guess a number. You can't say, I don't know. I can't figure that out. Cause your brain works that way. In your best estimate, what would the population have been if they hadn't killed those 434? That's an, a very, very good question. I know. You have to is, say a number. You can't say, well, we don't have the data. You can't say any of your doctor we bullshit. We don't know. <laughs> Obviously, folks, I have no means of enforcing my rules. So but, this is what I would say. You, we, we, All we have is... This is how I would break it down. You would look back at previous year's population growths. Idaho is pretty good wolf numbers. And so obviously wolf numbers are growing. Okay. Yep. Now, as an alpha predator, just like coyotes, just like any other alpha predator, they're going to self-regulate themselves at some population capacity. I don't know what that number is. Based on the hunt, could the population carrying capacity of Idaho be 1,500 wolves? Wait, wait, wait. Wouldn't they only self-regulate if they were confined? No. You would, they self-regulate because they establish home ranges, they establish territories, and you're going to see a certain number of wolves in those territories. Any abundance of wolf above a certain capacity is going to spill out, is going to emigrate out of the population. It's okay, not going to okay, continually okay. grow, 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 grow. There's going to be a resource limitation and a population limitation, and that's going to cause either a self-regulation, i.e. pups are going to be killed by other wolves, or wolves are going to emigrate out. Right. Okay? That's, that's what... We actually just said the same thing, even though it sounded like we were arguing. This part of the self-regulation is expanding the expanding the range, right? Correct. Like it's very similar to what we were what we were saying before. That until or if or when or never or until there is solid populations of wolves in every piece of land that touches the current population of wolves mm -hmm. they're you know they're they're self just like i mean colorado's the perfect example with no 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 evidence of wolves 14 15 months ago maybe and now we have a full-blown pack that is that is part of the you know it, it's an assumption but probably because somewhere in wyoming or montana or idaho there was a group that had too many wolves. Correct. So somebody got kicked out. Correct. And they moved down here and then they found a mate. And, you know, so I, I, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. It, it, and a matter of fact, I knew it already that the current hunting of the wolves in all the Northern Rocky States um, is kind of keeping the population where it's at is what it's doing. Um, now, See, I don't. I, so in Idaho, that's the question, and we don't know the answer to that. The data from last year is very interesting, in that the highest number of take of wolves you found four twenty. I can't. What's the What's the organization that is giving out? Um, I, I can't remember. It's something for wildlife management, forever wildlife management. Um, Damn it. Let me, I'll find it very quickly here. Um, oh, here we go. Here we go. I got it. Foundation for Wildlife Management. Foundation for Wildlife Management. Um, I'm trying to find the post where they had all of the numbers. I've seen that. But I, I think those numbers are more than just 2021. No, I can't remember now. Hold on, let me see. Let me see. So 
So anyway, it doesn't matter. So this is what I'm. This is what I want to say. I think that the 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 data is very interesting, and I'd love to speak to a predator biologist. Um, and I know one that I think we should talk to. Um, Fifteen hundred odd animals, four hundred to five hundred taken. By logic, by assumptions, you'd think the population would be a thousand, but the population actually grew by only a small amount. It wasn't; it grew, didn't grow by a hundred. It grew 10. by if, if, ten if, or twenty. Officially, it grew by ten. There was four hundred and ninety-five wolves in twenty twenty-one killed by humans. The gap between that and my number is uh, state official depredation kills. It, the, so. It's the, the the state killed another 60 on top of the number that I gave. So I'm going to get nerdy on you in that if if Idaho has, Idaho has reached a carrying capacity of wolves, then the sustainable take of wolves has just been documented, i.e. the surplus. Every year that you potentially could take to keep the population at the same level has just been seen. Yeah, kinda. Or it's an anomaly, but I, 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 I get what you're saying. But then the argument comes back from, what you know, is it sustainable? You know, there's there is people. I am not taking a side on this argument because I do not know. But there is people that would tell you that they are way over the sustainable limit at that 1500 mark. No, 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 no. That's not what they're saying. They're not saying they're not what you just said. The sustainable limit is an ecological paradigm. It's an ecosystem set number. Okay. The ecosystem can handle right now. The ecosystem can handle 1500 wolves. It's showing it. Okay. Now, not now, hold on, hold on, hold on. being done to the ecosystem. Well, that's what I'm about to say. Okay. Almost like the almost like a boom and bust cycle with a predator prey relationship is that you're going to probably see in the future either a balancing out of the prey and the predator numbers, or you're going to see a boom and bust cycle in that you're going to start seeing, like they've seen already, elk numbers are down, mule deer numbers are down. And they're going to be further depressed to a point where it wouldn't be able to sustain the wolf population. And the wolves are going to crash. Then you're going to see a rebound of elk. You're going to see a rebound of mule deer. You're going to see a rebound of wolves. Throw in humans in the mix. And you've got a very convoluted set of ecosystem management uh, ideals that are happening. Make sense? Yeah, except I still don't agree with the wording of your first statement right after you said you got. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's highly possible to make up a number that, like, no, I'm not making up a number. I'm just saying based no, on I'm what saying, we saw in 2021. No, I'm saying I could make up a number that you said it's that that, that that's what the ecosystem can sustain. Am, am I paraphrasing correctly? That 1500 number. That's what the ecosystem is showing. I don't know. I don't know. Based on, based on again, 2020, 2021 numbers at the fact that the population is sitting at around 1,500, it seems to be that 1,500 is the capacity, sustained capacity for wolves to maintain with the surplus being taken off by hunters. Okay? The, the, whole, the whole rhetoric of we should only have 150 wolves in Idaho which is the Fish and Wildlife Service recovery objective, had nothing to do with the sustainable number of wolves on an ecosystem. It was just tied to how many wolves you needed for it not to be considered endangered any longer. Yeah, but you're only looking at the wolf's sustainability with that statement. You're not looking at the rest of the ecosystem. I mean... 100%. No, 100%. You're right. 100%. Okay. Okay. Well, that's the part I don't like. Is if, if, if it's if it's damaging the rest of the ecosystem, and again, someone could take what you just said and say that's exactly you know we should not mess with them because they'll balance out through boom and bust. And I'm going to tell you right now that I think that because there's no bison, because we took the largest mass of animals ever off the face of the earth, 
there won't be a boom. I think that if you don't control wolves, I think they will continue to grow and expand themselves. I I don't I don't and now I'm with you that that the that the Powder River pack won't, right? Like if, if it gets to where it can't sustain itself anymore, it'll kick members out. It'll I I've I've seen domestic female dogs kill off pups because they had too big of a litter. I mean, that, that's a real thing that happens, but the, we can't go back to having 20, 25,000 wolves in the Rocky mountain range that it, it will, it absolutely will not work. And I think that that 1500 number that again, I have no I don't know what I'm talking about here, except for the fact that I guarantee you, I can go find you a bunch of people in Idaho who might agree with you that 1500 is the sustainable number of wolves, but that a whole bunch of other factors in that ecosystem of Idaho are not sustaining and that they're being. Well, it comes back to that. It comes back to the original discussion tied to Georgia, which is balance, right? right? Is the and that's where this is what the everything is going to boil down to is a certain population of any animal, whatever that population number is, is that a sustainable balance to your point, a sustainable balance of all things that we value in the ecosystem? I.e., are elk doing okay? Are mule deer doing okay? Are mountain lions doing okay? Those kinds of things. And when you start saying no to an animal like an elk or a mule deer or a mountain lion, they are declining beyond a, to a point where, again, opportunity is being decreased. We want more elk. We want more mule deer. We want more mountain lions because those are the kinds of things, again, that we value. We do value wolves, but we want balance. It's not that we're devaluing a wolf, to your point earlier. You throw in the mix humans with cattle and sheep and human wildlife conflict. There is a balance that is being sought to be achieved. And maybe 1,500 wolves has the system out of balance. Right. Okay. I'm back. You circled back around. It took however many minutes. But I, I agree with that set of statements completely. Um. I and I don't think you keep saying things that lead me to think that you're painting it and maybe it's just to get under my skin that like I personally don't get me wrong there's a lot of people who agree or 100% are like there's I'm not finding as many elk we need to get rid of these wolves I don't mm-hmm. agree with that statement in any way shape or form I I, I don't But agree. there are hunters that would disagree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. I, 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 yes, there are. I don't agree with that reasoning, but I also am telling you that when you, but with the damage we've done, Mm -hmm. right. And I, I sometimes feel like people are going to think I'm oversimplifying it, but imagine if there was still 30 million bison roaming around that country, very much. So that country, um, you could have a lot more wolves and things be in balance. Mm-hmm. We can't go back to the same number of wolves mm-hmm. because in that region, there's now 80 million people and, and, and no bison, you know, a, a couple thousand bison. And that swap meet leads to the fact that we now have to manage them. We now have to keep a balance for the ecosystem. And absolutely, I want to go to Idaho and hunt mule deer and elk. But that is not my driving factor to it. It's And it goes back to the Georgia example. The turkeys are declining. We're not, we're not valuing the turkey over the raccoon and the possum. We're valuing balance. And again, I'm not trying to claim that there aren't some good old boys down in Georgia who are saying, we got to get rid of these damn possums so I have Big Tom to shoot next spring. There are some people that think that way. That's not my motivation. I don't believe that's the Georgia Fish and Game Department's motivation. Their biggest – natural resources. Okay. And I've 
I played that game for a while trying to guess what they all called themselves. The game warden agency in, in, in biologists in Georgia. I don't believe that's their motivation. I don't believe that Arizona Game and Fish has made has made reducing coyotes in what did you say 18A as I don't believe they're devaluing the coyote. I think that they're valuing balance. And right now the antelope are on the decline. If for some strange reason antelope started killing coyotes and all the coyotes disappeared in 18A, Arizona Game and Fish would then think, all right, we got to trim out some of these carnivorous antelope, right? I, I, I know it's a stupid example, but it's true. They're, they're, you're looking for a balance in the ecosystem there. Um, and I will tell you that I firmly believe that 1,500 wolves in Idaho is actually throwing the ecosystem out of balance. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's as many wolves as there ever were in the state of Idaho. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you if you had 20 a pack where you had 75, you got a pack in every county of Idaho, that's a lot of wolves. And people don't don't think of it that way, but it really is. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, good discussion, my man. For having no articles sent around, right, right, hell of a predator management discussion. Yeah, I, I, and I think it's a, I, I don't want to drag it out, but I think there's a lot of folks in the world. I've said this before that a lot of people that are against us, and definitely folks that are against us in the world of predator hunting, need to look two or three levels deeper at the actual management that's happening, at at the fact that. I don't just hate wolves and I don't just think that wolves need to be managed for the sake of me being able to shoot a big elk. That's not, that's not the way I look at it. Um, I, again, I'll say this again, it's about the fourth time I've said it. Some people do, right? Some people hate wolves and some people want there to be less wolves. So their elk hunting is better, but there is a balance that has to happen. And unfortunately we screwed things up enough that predator hunting is um, a necessary, a necessary thing now. Also, by the way, I had mountain lion backstrap two weeks ago, so no one's allowed to say that we don't eat. And it, and it was incredible. Also, by the way, very, very, very pork-like. I believe the first cat I've ever eaten in my life. Um, and then you know was really good. My wife, my wife knocked it out of the park with a little appetizer of mountain lion backstrap. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Anything closing, closing thoughts, closing comments? No, you know, the general admin stuff, the supporters group is there. So we don't uh, have to get huge giant over the top corporate sponsors. We love the support from the people. You get a chance to win cool prizes and stuff. Um, for the cost of a cup of coffee a day, as Dr. Kroger says, just go a to month. A, month. a month, a month. Yeah. Not a day. Sorry. Too much, too much agave. Um, corporate, the uh, corporate conservation club. If you've got a company out there that wants to, uh, kind of put your money where your mouth is and back the mission we're doing here. Phenomenal new episode released last week, um, on YouTube, and I brought it up, and then I forgot Meredith's last name, but Robbie will know it. Bernard. Yep. Sorry, Meredith. Um, new, great new episode with Non Hunter up on uh, YouTube. You can go check out. And it is cracking. Forty-two thousand views. Absolutely. For a and, small little YouTube channel of ours. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty cool. People seeing that and hearing her message. Very well, very well uh, put message that she sent out there. Lots of stuff going on couple of new fundraising campaigns coming really, really quickly. Pay attention to those because there's going to be some really cool stuff that you can uh, be a part of if you get involved in those. And uh, that's all I got. Perfect. Uh, Till next time, my man. Thanks. You bet. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.